You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's in progress. Welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs. I'm Stephen Simcox. Uh, sorry for the lack of episodes last week. I really thought that having, I forgot how hard it is to have a newborn in my house. And that's all I'll say about the about the matter. But I think things will be more consistent this week. And I'm uh, happy to be joined by my friend Matthew Jennings. Um, Matt has covered TCU for a long time. Frogs get a victory over SMU, get the iron skillet back. Sonny Dykes returns to Dallas, gets it done. They win 42 to 34. Um, so let's jump right into it. Max Duggan, uh, not as efficient or as good as he was against Tarleton, but still a really solid day, Matt. Um, Sonny Dykes after the game got emotional talking about kind of how he is handled the situation, losing his job, getting it back, how he's been a pro's pro. Um, and we all know like the intangibles have always been there for, for Max. He's seems like by all accounts, a really great dude, great leader. <clears throat> and somebody the team rallies around. Um, what are you seeing as far as, cause I saw your tweet today about how he's, and I'll let you read off some of those stats, but I was leading the nation in some passing categories right now. What are you seeing as far as growth from Max in the, I guess, you know, 10 quarters of football we've seen from him under this new coaching staff now? That is an important qualifier to put on here. It's he's really played one game against FBS competition, right? He came in for a little while in the second half against Colorado, only threw four passes and then has the game against Tarleton, which obviously he looked great, but it's an FCS opponent. So one real game against um, an FBS opponent at SMU. So super small sample size. But with that being said, in the FBS, Max Duggan is first in passer rating. He's second in yards per attempt, and he is third in completion percentage. And to add to all that <clears throat> get to answering your question which is what do I see like one this offense is doing what this offense is ostensibly supposed to do for quarterbacks right which is just like make life easier for them um these are like Duggan is getting the opportunity for some easy throws and open windows that he didn't get before and at the same time like you can see he's made developments and made a jump as a passer um he's way more accurate his ball placement has been so much better this season it's not perfect like especially in the tarleton game all like three of his five touchdowns i felt like were under throws um Mm. especially the one to hudson where hudson just kind of like came through his defender and adjusted to the ball and catch it like you know it's a great play by the by the rookie by the freshman so that's fine um so it's not perfect still the ball placement, but it's gotten way, way better. And so he's just more on target. He's making throws both from the pocket and on the run. His first touchdown to Savion Williams against SMU, you know, improvise a little get outside the pocket and, and they, they did a little scramble drill and, and, and got an 18 yard touchdown, 19 yard touchdown. And so he's just grown in terms of like playing within the offense as well as like doing the athletic improv and, and improvising things that he's always been able to do. So that's just been really fun to watch to your point of like a guy who's like done all the right things, you know, mm. been a good leader, been a good mm. team player. And then to, to, to Sonny's point on Saturday, like 
would have been very easy for him to just kind of like check out after lose after you know being in the quarterback competition with Chandler Morris for all off season and just be like hey you know I'm I'm piecing out um he may not have been able to make it on the tran in the transfer portal due to the new deadlines that they've imposed but um I'm talking mentally be checked out and and to to his credit he has um been a great teammate and and continue to develop and it's come in handy. I wrote this before the season. Like there are far worse situations to be in than to have like Max Duggan and Sam Jackson as your guys standing in the wings. Um, if something were to happen to Chandler Morris and they're benefiting from that so far. I was curious because I feel like, you know, the SMU losses the last few seasons have, have felt so bad that I think it's easy to be like, Oh, well, everything went wrong in those games. And uh, so on Saturday, he was 22 of 29, 278 yards, three touchdowns. Really, he had 200 yards passing because 80 of those yards were on that little pop pass to Darius Davis, which the ball is went forward. It still counts. It, it did. It <laughs> sure did. And, you know, it's, it's essentially a jet sweep, but there's a wrinkle to it. Um, so in 2021, he was 16 of 28 for 276 yards and three touchdowns against SMU. So not a terrible stat line. And then in 2019, which was his freshman season, that they uh, split reps with Alex Delton. Remember Alex Delton, everybody? That was a fun era of TCU football. Not really. Um, he was 16 and 36 for 188 yards and three touchdowns. So, I mean, the offense from a stats perspective in those games has played well. And they scored points against SMU. They've kind of gotten bogged down at times. And honestly, they did a little bit um, on Saturday as well. But anyway, all that to say. I think the eye test is showing you though, that there's some growth here. He just looks more confident. He's looked like he can make, you know, all the throws. Um, so let me ask you this just more directly, Matt. If Chandler Morris is healthy this week, which I, I don't know if he will be, I, my guess is no. I think Kansas would probably be more likely, but say he's healthy this week. Uh, is he starting against Oklahoma or do you think Max Duggan gets another opportunity behind the center? That is a good question. And I, you know, if we were deeper into the season and I had more of a sense for what Sonny does with his personnel decisions stuff, I might be able to give a better answer. My instinct is that Chandler gets the start. Um, Sonny Dyke's comments on Saturday to me strike me as like the comments that you make of a, of a guy like Bram Kohlhausen coming in in relief in like the Alamo Bowl kind of thing. It was like, Oh, this guy was just like done all the right things, said all the right things. And, you know, he wasn't the guy that um, we thought we were going to work with, but he, he did everything we asked him to and blah, blah, blah. The underlying theme there being like, if things went, if we had different personnel available, he wouldn't be out there. And that's not a knock on Max mm -hmm. by any means, but so I, I do think if Chandler's healthy, once Chandler gets healthy again, um, they put him back out there. The wrinkle in that is obviously that, Chandler didn't look great in his, no. <laughs> you know, in that, in that first half against Colorado, he looked great for a drive and a half um, in the second half of that game before he gets hurt. Um, so, you know, if that continues, if they put him back in there and suddenly he struggles, then suddenly at least the calls externally for Max get, get really loud or the calls yeah. for Sam Jackson, um, which would also be just an interesting wrinkle to throw in there. Yeah. It's so weird because we really like, we saw one good drive from Chandler, maybe two and that Colorado game before he went down with that injury. So it's a strange situation. Go ahead. I, yeah. I will say the one thing 
like Duggan obviously hasn't been perfect. Again, it's a super small sample size in terms of meaningful snaps that he's gotten. And I, and I think the two cons that you can, I think you can levy like two legitimate criticisms against him thus far this season, which is a, and we're going to get to this with the pass block when we're talking about the offensive line in a second. Um, mm-hmm. But his pocket awareness is not where it needs to be. It never has been um, not good at sensing pressure took five sacks on Saturday. That really can't happen with how mobile he is that shouldn't happen. And then he doesn't protect the ball. Well, when that happens, when, when, when the pressure does get to him, he had another strip sack and I can't, I have not, I have lost count of the number of times he's given up strip sacks. Um, so that's a, that's one major criticism. And the other one being like his downfield accuracy, particularly like vertically down the sideline, still not what you want it to be. They tried to get the ball to Quentin Johnson a couple times. And if the ball is better placed and a little bit out in front of Quentin, I think, both of those are first downs and one of them probably could, would have been a touchdown. Um, and instead it takes him out of bounds or it's, or it's, yeah. a, it's a dump ball that ends up being knocked away. Right. And so, but like in terms of like legitimate criticisms in a small sample size, like, I think that's the end of the list, which right. is again, a testament to Duggan and the work that he's put in and to this coaching staff, like helping him develop and putting him in positions to succeed. Okay, so Quentin Johnston, let's talk about it because it's it's another sort of fascinating part of this offense. Um, I, I tweeted on Saturday around midway through the third quarter, I think. I said, all right, the, the lack of Quentin Johnston usage is officially concerning now. And some people responded, and I totally get what they're saying, and they're basically like, concerning is not the right word because the offense is functioning fine. I mean, it seems like it's doing okay. Uh, but our, our buddy Harrison Graham was like, it's just kind of weird. I mean, it's, the offense is working, but this is just odd. And then Tommy, who listens to the show, I'm paraphrasing here, Tommy, so excuse me, but he was basically like, well, I like how Max is spreading the ball around. I'm really not worried about this, um, which is fair. Now, I think, you know, the deeper the season goes on and the tougher the competition gets, you're going to want if, – if Quentin is actually a guy that can go win one-on-one matchups and be like a monster of a receiver, then you want that guy <laughs> – having opportunities to get the football, but um, I don't know, Matt, this is, this is like year, I guess this is year two really. Cause he kind of emerged as a freshman unexpectedly of the guy that we think could be like an NFL wide receiver. That's not getting really used a whole lot. Um, we saw this with Jalen Rager, not too long ago either. So w- what are your thoughts about what the disconnect here is and, um, I mean, how do they get him involved? Is is it like that big of a deal, I guess, if they're scoring points? I think the thing that stands out to me is that the talk throughout the offseason was like, oh, his role is going to be different mm-hmm. in this offense, right? It's not going to just be he's a jump ball threat. They're going to get him the ball um in different ways they're going to get him the ball in the middle of the field in space let him use his athleticism and his size and his speed and and we really haven't seen that yet and so like I said like the two big moments where he had a chance to make a big play were on those vertical routes down the sideline which we've seen them try to do throughout his career a bunch of times to varying degrees of success and so I'm I am the the only part of it that confuses me is like, okay, where are these post routes, these deep crosses, these digs where it's like, oh, we're going to get him the ball heading into open fields. We haven't seen that yet. Now to to some people's points, like that might be just because like they're getting the ball that way to 
Darius Davis and to Tay Barber and to Gunnar Henderson and the tight ends and and like and so it it might be fine um but yeah then it's like okay well then what do you if you're quarterback and again we come back to the quarterback question right if Chandler Morris is in the game then is are they able to utilize him in a way that they feel like they can't right now but I do think the questions of like okay if you're really a number one if you're really a potential first round pick you should be able to get the separation and make clutch catches that you need in those moments. So like the, uh, the, the first deep pass down the left side in the, in the first quarter, again, I think Duggan kind of took him out of bounds. He, he, he did his best to toe tap there, but like, and he made the catch, but just out of bounds. The right. second one later on in the game, we had a chance to, to, uh, to get them a first down and he has a chance to go up and make a contested catch there. And he just doesn't like that's that, that to me, that one, again, I think the ball placement could have been better. But like, if you're, if you're who we think you're supposed to be, you, you should make that catch. Right. So, um, so I am not concerned because I do think ultimately the results of the offense are the results, but um, I think the, the quarterback play plays into it. And I think he needs to take better advantage of the few opportunities that he's getting. He needs to get more. And I think I, to, to Garrett Riley's credit, he tried to scheme those up. It was like, okay, fine. Like, let's just get him the ball in a couple end arounds and, and just get him the, like they did that a couple of times yesterday um, or Saturday, excuse me, but they, uh, but then one of them ends up being a fumble. Right. So um, you, you got to figure out a way to scheme him open. And then I think, yes, when Chandler gets back in the game, maybe it opens up a little bit, but you do need him to step up if he's going to be the guy that you really think, he can't be. Yeah. And he's had some drops too. I mean, he had, there was like a third and forever and he had a chance to make a catch. It wouldn't have got him a first down, but it would put them in field goal range. He dropped it. I also think uh, to be fair, Max was a little late on the throw. Cause it just like, that's a ball that should have been on him as he was getting out of his break. But anyway, it's, it's just not working. And you're right. Like they do. <laughs> But every time they do the end around, it just makes me mad because it's like, is Doug Meacham calling the plays again? Because that's such a – and I like you, Doug. You're great. I'm sorry. You take you take too much criticism. I know your hands were somewhat tied. But, like, that was such a give-up way that he would try to get Quentin involved too. It's like, well, we can't throw him the ball. I guess we'll just hand it to him and hope he can, you know, get six or seven yards here on the ground. Um, it's, it's just strange to me. I don't know. Now, yeah, he's got to get more separation. But as you said, like, where's the – Where's the stop routes? You know, where's some more bubble screens, like something to just get him up the field. I do. The one question that I have that we haven't really talked about here with him is how much of it is he had all this preseason hype and justifiably so. And defenses really are keying on him that much. Yeah, sure. And, and then, so that's creating these openings for these other receivers. And then do you really want Max Duggan trying to force it into double coverage right that's yeah. that's the that's the justification that i can think of through the first three games mm-hmm. but to your point i agree at some point you're gonna need him to be able to to make plays even when he's he's blanketed like that well and i think it's, it's also like it sounds strange but when you get in big 12 play those teams are probably going to trust their corners to play more one-on-one coverage. So yes, there might be more opportunities like Colorado and Tarleton. And I'd have to look back at the snap count. I don't think he even played that many snaps against Tarleton, but Colorado Tarleton SMU, right. They're probably going into the game saying, okay, this dude, we're not letting him beat us. So we're going to bracket him. We're going to blanket that side. 
and we're just we're going to take them out of the ball game. And the way they've spread the ball around the first few games, it also just feels like they're not like they don't have a philosophy of we're going to force the ball to somebody. Like if if a defense is going to you know take that away, okay, we'll go somewhere else with it. Um, so yeah, maybe some more opportunities arise with teams that are willing to single cover them, but um, it's just weird. We'll see. We'll see how it goes over the next few weeks. The good news is, you know, who I, who he had his, had his biggest game of his career against the Oklahoma Sooners, you know, who's on the schedule this week, the Oklahoma Sooners. So this would be a great moment for that to happen. It would, it definitely would. Um, Okay. Let's embrace debate. So we were trading notes today. And I said, like, listen, I'm really concerned about this offensive line um, in pass protection specifically. And you have a different thought about this, Matt. So I went back and looked today, um, and I agree with you. I, well, I'll let you lay out your point. But I, I do think some of it was about pocket awareness. Some of the sacks were about pocket awareness. Some of the sacks were guys getting beat. I just think especially at the tackle position with Brandon Coleman and Andrew Coker, um, the way that SMU's edge rushers were able to just get off the ball and beat them with their speed, that didn't give me a ton of confidence as the season goes on. Um, but anyway, I'll, I'll let you share your thoughts about the O-line and kind of where they are at this point in the year. Yeah, let's let's be frank about this up front. You can't give up five sacks to SMU. Like, that's just a non-starter. Yeah. Like, you can't do that. That's That can't happen. I do think it is a combination of both that lack of pocket awareness that we talked about with Duggan, which has always been an issue with him and the, the play of particularly at tackle. We said before the season that you really like the interior of this line. And and I still do. I think with Steve Avila, Alana Lee, and then whether it's John lands, whether it's Wes Harris, I think you've got a a nice um, group of guards and 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 center and, and that and some of them who can flex play multiple positions I feel good about that interior line play at both ends at at tackle it's it's way more hit and miss and I think we saw that against SMU and that's going to get really really tough especially in these next few games where you're going to play uh you're going to play um Kansas State and Oklahoma State teams with really great pass rushers mm-hmm. and it's going to get it's going to get dicey. Um, I do think there were instances where there were coverage sacks or lack of awareness sacks or just pressure that got to Duggan where it's like, okay, you got to have the timer in your head. You're holding on to the ball too long. You got to get out of the pocket. You got to throw the ball away rather than just like take these negative plays that I think were some of the, the offense stalling in, especially in the second half, was a result of that where it's like they were moving, they were cooking. And then suddenly you take a couple negative plays. You got to delay a game penalty because of the play clock stuff, which we can talk about. Um, and then you have some, and, but then on top of that, you have procedural penalties with false starts and whatever, and you take sacks. Um, then you end up in situations where it's like you had promising drives that get into scoring territory and then you end up punting. Um, not what you want. Right. So it's a, I, I do think it's a both and situation. And I do think, if and when Chandler Morris comes back or if Sam Jackson gets pushed in the line of duty, maybe some of that changes because yeah. uh, Chandler Morris is a guy who's not, who's a little bit more aware in the pocket. And Sam Jackson is just a guy who's a, who's a 
an electric athlete who could escape a lot of that um, a little bit better than, than Duggan has. So, um, but yeah, I agree. They transfer portal or, um, um, or something in the off season has to happen where you feel better about your offensive line play, or you really need AJ record to, to get some of these younger guys to take a significant developmental leap, which is possible, but um, it's not happened thus far. It's only possible. And I mean, it's like that position group is more about continuity than any other on the field. Cause you're communicating constantly about the different looks the defense are giving you. But I mean, the concerning thing to me was like a lot of getting beat Saturday wasn't like exotic blitzes and guys just like missing on twist stunts. There was some of that at the end of the first half, but it was mainly just dudes getting off the line faster than, than your tackles, which, you know, Hey, I mean, that's part of growing too, but um it, it's just not something that i'm i'm looking forward to seeing down the road if it doesn't if it doesn't get fixed uh okay so defensively another position group that we came out of this game worried about and i, I think you're more concerned about this this part of the team than i am right now uh but the secondary smu you know it's what they do they got really good they have good receivers they have a quarterback in tanner mordecai who can sling it around a little bit um and tcu have a lot of yards they get some touchdowns through the air there were some deep passing plays and I, I I sort of fell for the cheese again like I said this offseason I was like hey this this corner these corners especially they're an older group they're a veteran group there's a lot of depth you can work guys in and out um that's not totally true I, I mean I think Noah Daniels I, I like him but he's not going to play a lot of snaps I just feel like that's sort of where we are uh I'm not as I'm not as low as some people are about Travis Hodges Tomlinson right now. A lot of people seem frustrated after yesterday, but I think Rasheed Rice is actually a really good wide receiver, and he kind of battled well. But Matt, what are some of your concerns about the the secondary specifically um, after giving up, you know, a lot of yards through the air on Saturday? My biggest concerns about the secondary that was more concerning to me than the offensive than the offensive line play just in my opinion, because again, at the offensive line, I think you feel good about three out of the five Um, and the secondary, you got five, you got five DVs back there. And especially with Bud Clark still out, I feel really good. I I still feel good about Trey Hodges Tomlinson. We'll get to him in a second. After him, I feel good about Miller Bradford. And then like, I felt really good about the depth at corner coming into the season, and those opinions have gotten a little bit washed away. Um, Josh Newton has made a couple of nice picks, which has been great, but um, he and Noah Daniels and Keon Stewart and Abe Kamara and honestly Bradford in a couple instances um, got cooked a few times on yeah. Saturday, especially by, by Jake Bailey. I will say on the Hodges Tomlinson thing, the fact that Jake Bailey had such a huge game is a testament, I think, to what Hodges Tomlinson was doing on Rasheed Rice. Um, I'm not concerned about the penalties with him because th- that physical style is his is his mo. That's what he's always right. done. Yeah. It's just a matter of like some officials are going to call the game a little closer, and some of them aren't. And I think, especially with Rasheed Rice being the leading receiver in the country coming into the game the officials had a focus on that. And so like he was getting some calls that maybe he, maybe another receiver wouldn't have gotten. And then I think 
after the first half, the refs realized, oh, wait, hold on. If we do this on every play, we're going to give them 15 yards on every play. We can't do this. Yeah. Um, and so that's, that's, that's Tomlinson's style. I'm not super concerned about it. And he limited, he limited context is important limiting, so to speak, Rashid Rice to what was it? 70 yards and a touchdown. Um, mm-hmm. He really only got beat on the one in my opinion, only like truly got beat on the one play on the touchdown in the red zone. Other than that, I felt like he held his own pretty well and made some nice pass breakups, made some nice plays in the open field, not just against rice, but like made some good open field tackles. Not con- I'm not concerned. The, on the other side, I was expecting more things from Keon Stewart thus far. I was expecting way more from Noah Daniels thus far. The fact that Josh Newton beat out both of them for the starting job. And again, has nice ball skills, but has gotten, beat on more than one occasion by just some guys not and especially guys with size concerning to me Abe Kamara I think I've already said this but is approaching TJ Carter territory for me I'm like I just feel like he's a liability thus far I know he had the pick yesterday on Saturday but I'm concerned I need Bud Clark to come back and get healthy because it, it is not looking good for me so like those are the things especially as you get into big 12 play against pastors like um like dylan gabriel like who you're playing this week um and who loves to throw the ball deep and has a very nice deep ball it's gonna get it's gonna get rough so those are the that's concerning to me because if you have instances like tcu has had on offense through the first three games where you like you have those sputters and you and you lose steam for a quarter that's more than enough time for a team like oklahoma to put you in a situation where you might get boat raced like score 21 and a quarter and suddenly you're out of the game if your secondary is not up to snuff and you don't have a pass rush that exacerbates the issue right correct and i mean part of this too is like i don't know it's tricky because as as many people have laid out like the defensive philosophy now is very different and so you're seeing some three-man rushes i think yesterday like there were a lot of third and longs that were converted there were some fourth down all the fourth downs were converted um, and some of that is if you're going to drop eight and play soft zones, you know, it, it's hard. Like the math doesn't make sense. It's three on five, but one of those guys has to win the individual battle. Like they have to find a way to maybe not get a sack, but at least force the quarterback to throw the football before they're ready. And I mean, that's another thing that honestly, like I, I love Dominic Williams. It's hard to get pressure from the interior but it's up to those edge guys to, to get there. And it might just be something that you have to live with until you can, you know, work on this roster in the off season. Yeah. We always knew. And so like, I'm concerned about the secondary, like in the now in terms of like the long-term prognosis for this defense, it is what it is. Like we, we knew this was going to be a transition year for the whole defense. They don't have the personnel to really want run things the way Joe Gillespie wants to. That's all fine. Um, but no, I agree with you. The, the four out of four on fourth down conversions, a 50% third down conversion mm. rate and three trips into the red zone, all leading to touchdowns. Those are the things that are concerning to me. Cause if the goal is spill and kill, keep the offense in front of you and then bow up once you get into scoring territory, they weren't doing that right. on Saturday. And they weren't doing that against an SMU team that at least coming into the game, you thought was their offense was just Rasheed Rice and some guys, right? And they were still able to move the ball on you um, and in key moments, right? So um, 
if you're it, they got him in the third and long in some good in, in, in big moments. They made open field tackles. They made negative plays. Great. But then you got to finish that drive rather than giving them the opportunity again, like that, that fourth down fourth and one where they get 45 yards and then immediately they touch down in the next play. Like that was such a, that's a really deflating moment. Like that's a moment yeah. where you have a chance to really kind of put the game away mm-hmm. and instead you let them back in. That's concerning. And again, they were bad last year if they're still bad this year, but only, a, but marginally better. It's still an improvement. I never expected them to be good this year, but they, they, there are things of concern for sure. All right. Well, we'll get you out of here on this, Matt. So Oklahoma is the one team in this league that just consistently you come away from the game saying, man, we don't have, the, we just don't have the dudes to run with these guys. And I watch, I watch them play K-State on Saturday. I watch Adrian Martinez and Dufon run all over them. Um, in some respects, I'm like, man, I'm disappointed that they lost because that might not bode well for pulling off an upset at home this week. But I said on the Big 12 pre- preview show as part of the Lockdown Network, I was like, a step forward for this team, and I know this sounds like a defeatist attitude, but a step forward for TCU would be playing competitively against Oklahoma. Like, even if you lose, like, looking like you can stay on the field with them, um, given the recent history. So what are your thoughts on this matchup and – you know, what do you think about their chances of, of trying to pull off an upset Saturday? I think you and I are of one mind. I would have, I would have felt way better about TCU's chances if Oklahoma had, had just been coming off a home win against Kansas state and was going into red river. And like, you get the, you, you get a yeah. chance to catch them while they're maybe mentally thinking a week ahead. Right. And, but the fact that they just lost means that they're probably going to be a little locked in coming into this game. So yeah, I don't feel great about that, but matchup wise, I agree with you. The fact that you've got um, some mobility at quarterback with Max Duggan, I know it's not what Garrett Riley and Sunday Dykes really love to do, but if they could get um, utilize him in the run game a little bit, Adrian Martinez show that they could um, that Oklahoma's defense can be susceptible to that and then you absolutely have the horses whether that's with uh Darius Davis or um some of the other speedsters at receiver I would love to see maybe you get Major Everhart in the game I'm we haven't seen him yet I would really love to see just like that dynamic speed in space um this defense for Oklahoma does not seem ready to um handle that um at least if Deuce Vaughn was any indication. So um, I think you've got a shot. I think, yes, if you can just hang around, because that's the thing. Early on in TCU's time in the Big 12, when TCU would play Oklahoma, it would always be competitive, and it was like one score game. Yep. They won the one in 2014, and they, but they hung around, right? And then starting around 2017, since then, like they've just gotten boat raced every time. Um if you can stick, come out and you can be competitive, I was always saying this next four, these first four games of Big 12 play. If you can come out of that two and two, you got Oklahoma, Kansas, uh, Kansas State, and Oklahoma State. If you come out of that two and two, I think you feel really good, right? If you're only one and three or worse, zero oh and four, which like, let's be honest, is on the table given the way Kansas is playing, right? Um, suddenly your season looks really, really different. So if you can steal this one, that'd be amazing. But at the very least, yes, I think you need to um be competitive um to kind of feel good about yourself and i think they can be um but they need the offense to clean up some stuff and they need defense to uh again i just really think they need bug clark back yeah they got to find a way to hang around defensively it's gonna be tough but 
Um, I mean, there's a blueprint there. Maybe they can play a little more ball control, even though it's not really Sonny Dykes and Garrett Riley's MO either. All right. It is Matt Jennings. I'm Steven Simcox. Uh, this is the Locked On Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.